0: This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand on the air.
1: Science Notes, a program on Otago Access Radio, brought to you by the Science News and Promotion Group at the University of Otago. Join me, Dave McMoran, as I chat with graduate science students. We'll find out about their research, why they do science at all, and what music they enjoy. Science Notes, Thursdays from six thirty till seven pm only on Otago Access Radio. Well, good evening, and welcome to Science Notes again for another week. My name's Dave McMorrin, and this week our guest is Sam McIntyre. Hi, Sam. Hello, Dave. Thanks for coming along. That's all right. Um So Sam is in the chemistry department, where I work, and um, you are kind of in a little supposedly relaxed space between finishing a master's and starting a PhD.
2: Yeah, something like that.
1: It's it's not as relaxed as it could be, thanks to me, but that's another story. Um, So we're going to talk tonight a a bit about what you were doing for your Masters. Yep. Um, And we'll start, before we get into that, though, with a piece of music. And the first song you have is?
2: A Simple Song by Passenger. Okay,
1: here we go.
3: song, won't stop the rain from coming down,
2: we're hard from breaking,
3: here's a simple song, it's never gonna turn this day around, stop the earth from shaking, here's just a simple song, nothing right or wrong if you want to Well I know it's not been- a simple song, won't stop the rain from coming down, or your heart from breaking. Here's a simple song, never gonna turn and stare around, stop the earth from shaking. Everything seems to be about timing Here's a simple song Won't stop the rain from coming down Or your heart from breaking
1: to Science Notes on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM, where this week we're talking to Sam McIntyre about her master's work in chemistry. So how was it then, Sam, that you ended up doing a master's in chemistry?
2: Um, I was fortunate enough to have some really cool teachers at high school, um, one of them being Tanya Lynam, and she sort of got us involved um, doing some outreach stuff with some of the chemistry team back when we were in high school. Um, So that's kind of how I ended up to be at Otago. And then actually throughout my undergraduate, I hadn't made up my mind, um, pretty indecisive. So I was doing a double major in chemistry and genetics. Um, But then as we continued through, um, somehow I've ended up in chemistry um, and, yeah, decided to stick around for my master's and now looking at doing a PhD. So it's kept me around.
1: And your master's research is in a field which is quite new for the department in some, respect, in some respects and quite unusual, I think, in chemistry in general. And um, that you're doing, you did, at least part of the time, you were doing astrochemistry. So, yeah. what is astrochemistry?
2: Astrochemistry is kind of looking at chemistry um, out in space. Um, but obviously, we can't physically go there and easily do this. Um, so, we have a lot of, te- we've got some different techniques in the lab um, and also some calculations to try and work out what's going on um, beyond Earth.
1: So, this is not like you send up some spaceship to the moon and it scoops up a bit of dirt and brings it back and then you study that. This is actual molecules way, way out, isn't it?
2: Yeah.
1: Why do we care?
2: Um, Well, for my research, I was looking at some atoms, nitrogen and oxygen, um, because they're important in a lot of the biological molecules, so amino acids and things that we see here on Earth, um, they're important for the basic starting molecules, um, if you like, for making these kind of biologically relevant um, things. So we're kind of interested in it in this sense to see, you know, what sort of biological molecules could be out there.
1: Right. With a view to potentially then um, inferring that there might be life.
2: I mean, yeah, I guess, down the track. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Is there lots...
1: You think about space as being kind of big empty vacuum. Is there lots of molecules and atoms out there?
2: Um, There's quite a range of environments in space. So there's some regions where we do have... There is quite a high density of molecules and other bits that are really quite sparse. Um, There's a lot of... Like down on Earth, here we've got like lots of larger um, atoms and molecules, but in space it tends to be those smaller ones found right at the top of the periodic table. Um, so oxygen, I think, is about the third most abundant atom in space, um, and nitrogen sits about fifth um, across the interstellar medium.
1: But is this oxygen gas like we have on Earth, or is it just which is two oxygen atoms stuck together, or is it just an oxygen atom?
2: Um, so we can find just oxygen atoms right. as well.
1: Okay. So then. You were particularly interested, I think, in the way in which these atoms can combine and react on surfaces, right? Yes. Because the chance, because for thing, two things to react, they have to bang into each other, right? And out in space where there's hardly any of them, that doesn't happen very often. Yeah. But it happens more frequently if they're stuck to some sort of surface. Is that right?
2: Yeah, so that's that's the idea. Um, also in space, it's really, really cold in um, a lot mm. of – well, in some places, it's really cold. So there's a lot of sort of relatively well, speaking, it's really cold versus surfaces. quite cold. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, yeah, we're kind of hypothesizing that, well, in order for these reactions to take place, that sort of ice surface gives them a place to come and meet and then be able to react together.
1: Right. Okay. And is there lots – so and the fact that there's ice out in space – Yep. Is again, I suppose, a bit dependent on where you are.
2: Yeah. yeah. So we have, there's different forms of ice in space. So it tends to be very amorphous, which is just kind of where it sticks together randomly with no kind of order. Right. So um, not like snowflakes. Not like snowflakes. No. So that has been detected in the Kuiper belt, um, that same sort of ice like we think of, of here on Earth. Right. Um, just because the environment there is, um, you know, uh, good enough to make the same sort of conditions we have here. Um, but mainly it tends to be amorphous.
1: So if we're looking at very small amounts of stuff a very long way away, how do you do experiments on them?
2: Um, So the measurements that we were basing my research off was kind of a discrepancy in the abundance between a couple of molecules, and these were measured using ground-based telescopes here on Earth, some really massive ones, um, which use infrared um, signals to kind of measure the vibrations of those molecules in space
1: right because different molecules have sort of characteristic different vibration frequencies don't they yeah right and i suppose for a very simple molecule just no um if a complex molecule has lots and lots of different frequencies on top of each other but for a simple one like that it's quite straightforward so it's probably easier to see maybe
2: um, yeah, but there's, you're getting a lot of signals from a lot of different things, so it is hard, right. um, Yeah. and it did, yeah, it took them a while to find signatures that they could kind of clearly distinguish and say, yes, this is definitely, you know.
1: Right, but that wasn't you. That, that was, wasn't me. That no. was physicists or someone was, doing yeah. that work. Yeah. But then you were trying to simulate this stuff in the lab, I think, as well, weren't you?
2: Yeah. Trying. Trying, yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, um, so... Yeah, in the lab, so we kind of created our ice surface um, under this um, vacuum chamber um, at ten kelvin, so nice and cold. Um, Minus
1: two hundred and sixty degrees Celsius. Yeah, yeah, just just a little bit cold. Yeah, cold.
2: Um, and then what we were doing is we were putting our NO gas into that chamber and kind of using UV, so kind of like like the sun, creating um, this high energy to split the water molecules in our ice apart. And that was going to provide us with our hydrogen atom to try and attach to the NO gas that we put into the vacuum chamber.
1: Right. Because that that was well, – I probably should have said this at the start – but what you were specifically interested in is the way that you can start with NO and then trying to make it a bigger, more complicated molecule, more like an amino acid, say. Yeah. And so you were interested in how you can stick a hydrogen to that.
2: Yeah, because in space there is a lot of molecules that just have the hydrogen attached mm. – But what we found um, based on these other people's findings and and what they've seen in space is that NO is like 200 times more abundant than HNO, um, when usually with a lot of other species, the hydrogenated, so the one that has the hydrogen attached, tends to be the more common um, observation.
1: Yeah. So the question then is, is there some reason why you don't have as much of that HNO out there, or is it because it just isn't as much or because you can't see it?
2: Exactly. Yeah.
1: Okay. So what then, so did you come up with some reason as to why?
2: Um, So our hypothesis was because with these experimental techniques or the measurement techniques we have from Earth with these ground-based telescopes, they can only actually measure gas phase molecules. So our hypothesis was that maybe there is a lot more HNO in space, but we just can't detect it because it might remain stuck on those ice surfaces. Right. And that was kind of what we were trying to probe with our experiments.
1: Because for all sorts of interesting chemistry reasons we don't get need to get into, um, when you have an H attached to an oxygen or an H attached to a nitrogen, that makes them quite sticky to water, doesn't it? So, yeah. so if they're stuck there, then you won't be able to see them using your telescopes. And so then I suppose that kind of leads into the second part of your research, which was trying to do calculations to try and understand how that might, whether that is actually a viable hypothesis or not. Yeah. So how did that work?
2: Yeah, so for that, we spent a great deal of time just trying to work out how to build ice in our computer um, and find a valid model. And then we would take that NO molecule um, and kind of put it on the top of the ice in our computer Um, and then get the binding energy, so an idea of how strongly or how sticky it was to that ice. And then we did the same thing by placing that HNO molecule on top of the ice um, to see if it was any stickier. And what we did find was that HNO um, bound a lot stronger to the ice, so it was stuck there um, better than that NO molecule. So that was kind of consistent with our hypothesis.
1: Yeah, which is good. But it's good, yep. It's always nice when the calculations tell you what the, what you expect them to do.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> um, you said this is quite. You spend a lot of time doing it. This is quite hard to do, is it? In, in a computer.
2: Yes. So one of the big issues is there's so many different phases of ice, mm. and even within the literature and setting up these models of ice, there's a lot of variation um, in what people refer to as our form of ice on Earth, hexagonal ice, which is what we were trying to um, model it off because that's what we made in the lab. Yeah. Um, and so even within that, there's like proton-ordered forms which are not really representative um, of this ice. So we spent a long time kind of going down like rabbit holes in the literature, um, thinking we were on the right the right path with our ice and then realising that wasn't actually um, the sort of ice we were trying to make. Yeah.
1: You said that... Um the ice out in space the little particles that you that the reactions might be happening on is amorphous yep. which means that there's no regular structure to the way that the water molecules are arranged within it at all yeah um you I, I might naively think that that should be easier to do in the computer because then you don't have to care about the way that the molecules are arranged but the, that's probably not true is it
2: no um We spent quite a long time, um, a couple of months at least, trying to, because that was sort of the final branch of the calculations, was to make that amorphous ice. And it took a good couple of months just to settle that structure down and go through kind of, it uses a technique which solves like the laws of motion. Um, And so it took a long time to actually settle on a structure where the ice was just sitting randomly. Right, yes. Um, Yes, yeah. it's,
1: like, it's like random number generators. It's quite hard work to ge- randomly generate numbers, isn't it? Yeah. And it's quite hard work to randomly organize molecules. It's much easier if you say, I want them all to have this particular shape. Yep. But that's kind of – that's not really going to be that as useful for modeling what's happening in the real world, as it were, yeah. situation. Yep. Yeah. So you've done the calculations then. Yep. And you've got a, an answer that kind of um, explains – why you don't see as much of this HNO out on these out in space as um, as you should? Does that what does that say then in terms? So if, if HNO is supposed to be uh, just one molecule along the way of a sequence to making more complicated molecules, yeah. Is so is that is is more of those steps something that 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 you're looking at or or people are looking at and. If you make, At what point do you think you have to make the molecule more complicated before it comes off again? Because at some point it's going to have to come off, right?
2: Yeah. Um, so there is, as in like 2020, there was hydroxyl amine um, detected in space. So that's so if NH2OH. If that's just, yeah, so adding just a bunch more hydrogens right, essentially yeah. to that NO molecule. Um, and there had been a little bit of research with that more as a focus, but... Um, but no one had really looked at that initial step there, mm. um, with just that hi- that first putting the hydrogen on the H or the, on the NO to form that HNO. Um, so yes, along the line you can get these more complicated molecules built up, um, and that has now been detected just recently. Um, you know, when I was halfway through my master's, right, kind yeah. of this hydroxylamine was yeah. discovered.
1: So so and and so people have seen that with the telescopes. Yeah. So that one must. To, to a greater extent come off of these surfaces. Yeah. If indeed it's and so, been made on the surface in the first place then.
2: Yeah, and we've had kind of we done sort of calculations as well that looked at whether there was a barrier to adding that hydrogen right. to the NO. Um, and a lot of that the re, the previous literature and things says that it's um, barrierless all the way through to hydroxyl amine. So then that also right. raises the question as to why there's not Quite so much hydroxylamine as we'd expect, and why it's taken so long okay. um, to discover that as well.
1: So there's still lots to learn about these processes. Yeah, and and um, I mean, I suppose it's, it's you know I often say in lectures that chemistry is the to contrast chemistry with um, say zoology, that zoology is easy. Sorry, zoologists, it's easy because you can just sit quietly in a corner with a camera and just watch your animal doing its thing, and chemistry is not like that because you have to infer by what's from what's going on in your test tube. You're doing a whole nother layer of complication again, because your test tube's like forty-five thousand miles away. Yeah, yeah. So you're having to infer from what little information you can get at that distance about what's going on. Yep. Yeah, but it's cool. Yeah, but it's cool. Um. So the masters is all done. Yeah. And now there's potential of a PhD as well, and similar stuff or different stuff.
2: Um. I haven't entirely decided yet, but I think I probably am coming back down to Earth um, <laughs> for my PhD. Um, maybe moving along the lines of sort of nitrate reduction, um, right. that sort of So still NO? Still NO, still nitrogen. Um, but, um, but different. But a little bit different. Yeah.
1: yeah. Okay, cool. So PhD likely, otherwise, who knows? It's tricky times to know, isn't
2: it? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, originally I thought I'd come to uni and do my bachelor's and then carry on and do a teaching master's. um, But then the research kind of sucked me in, so yeah, we'll see where it takes me.
1: Because the teaching part has become a big part of what you're doing.
2: Yeah, it's kind of just on the side. Yeah, Yeah. Outreach, (laughs) teaching, all of that stuff.
1: Public science shows, all that sort of stuff.
2: Yeah, who would have thought doing a chemistry degree would lead to a stage show?
1: Indeed, yes. (laughs) All good. Well... Um, we're getting close to time. Thanks for coming along, Sam. That's and, all right. And talking to us about what you've been up to. It's very interesting. Like said like I said at the start, it's quite a new area for um for the department. And you're probably with the first master student to do astro chem. Yeah. Yeah. So um hopefully there'll be more and more of that and maybe some more shows from such people down the track. Um but thanks for coming along. And um thanks for coming to the studio. It's the first time I've been in the studio for ages, so that's exciting. Um, and thank you all out there for listening. And I can just remind you that you can listen to this show again next week at the same time and then at your leisure as a podcast from the Otago Access Radio website, which is www.oar.org.nz. We will finish with Sam's second piece of music that she's brought along, which is?
2: Um, it's Nocturnal by Annie Lee, which happens to be, she happens to be my best friend's youngest sister.
1: Okay. Thanks for listening, everyone.
2: The moment when the sun
0: goes down And dusk comes crawling into town Our eyes open wide Why should we fear what belongs to us When the night is already ours? We are nocturnal we do not sleep at night. We are nocturnal. Oh, and we will wait for the lights to fade. We move silently. The ground. Through the trees we dance Our eyes are used to slim shivers of light We are afraid and the dark does not show The things we usually try to hide And as our shadows begin to chase each other Let me tell you one thing rush that comes with not caring what people think. We are nocturnal. Oh